Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's going on, y'all? It's another episode of Believe in Ravens. I'm Kyrie Thompson. That right there is my guy, Daniel Wilcox. And we are here to talk about, first of all, another beat down by the Baltimore Ravens on the team that we all expect. It's pretty good, right? Another first place team. And we're going to talk about another huge division matchup. One, one of two that's coming right up here. First of all, man, we, I thought, I thought that game against the Seahawks was going to be a lot closer than it was. And just like the lions game, the Ravens were just like, Nope, we're just going to put this one away. We're going to bury you. Yeah, I can't lie. I thought it was going to be a closer game, too, as well. You know, um, Stone has been playing. I mean, Geno, Geno Smith has was, been playing really, really well. And I kind of felt like the matchup was going to be Geno Smith versus Geno Stone. And it was pretty awesome to see Geno Stone pick him off. But um, at the same time, you know, I thought they was going to come in with a better game plan, Pete Carroll and company, and just play a lot better than what they did. And and they didn't. Well, I can't even say they didn't because, I mean, Baltimore really just kind of wrecked shop on all their plans and stuff. And the way the Ravens played, to me, just exemplified what direction that we're heading. And, yeah. and I've been trying to say these last six weeks, like those first four weeks, is kind of like our preseason because we didn't play at all. And, um, you know, plus Lamar kind of set out most of the summer you know, with the contract negotiations that he was like the last guy to kind of report, you know, so him having to learn this offense, a new offense, you know, with him not being here for all that time, I think definitely put him on the back seat for a while. And I think he's still learning it right now. You got to keep in mind that Snoop, the backup quarterback, Huntley was here when Lamar wasn't. So he knows the offense better than Lamar probably, you know, at this point, you know, now Lamar is going to catch up at some point. I think he's still working and, and evolving to be, the best version of himself that he can be. I just love his patience and his poise this year has been so profound. And that's the thing. We're, we're still not at the final iteration of this. Right. right. And and I think you know, maybe the, the Ravens are getting to that point where, you know, they're going to turn into a wagon. Right. And they're already scary enough, but I mean, so much of that is right. the defense right now. They've got the best scoring defense in the league. They've got the second best defense in terms of yards allowed. They're one of the best defenses in terms of giving up passing touchdowns. I mean, like they are, they're just brutal to play against. Right. And I, I think right now that's, that's the main thing. You can't score on this team. You can't move the ball effectively because they're getting you from every level. And I think, What's special to me is the fact that, yeah, you got Roquan Smith and Patrick Queen kind of stirring the drink when it comes to this defense. And, you know, maybe they're your most recognizable names on that side of the ball. It's like maybe a Kyle Hamilton, Marlon Humphrey. Right. Mm -hmm. But every other every other level of that defense is performing well. Right. right. We talked about Jadevian Clowney. And the fact that I was like, oh, you know, he's, he's a good depth piece. You know, he's a good solid piece over there, but maybe he's not going to be a, a dominant edge defender. He's got like 39 pressures. So he leads the team, crazy, crazy. right? He's, he's been performing like crazy for this team. <clears throat> Justin Matubike, I mean, he is, he, he's been awesome on the interior and, Kyle Van Noy just shows up and he's got 21 pressures, right? Just, just a veteran guy. You go plug and play over there. He's balling. 
Okay. Yes. And, and it's not always the things that, that, you know, jump out at you with, with the sacks or, you know, what have you, but he, again, it's just like I said, when they signed him, he's just going to be a solid dude who is going to show up and, and just do his assignments, do his job and occasionally make, make a play. And then you got Geno stone who leads the league with six interceptions. Who had that one on your bingo card? You know what I mean? Yeah. It's crazy. And it's just every, everybody has been stepping up and, and I mean, underratedly, right. You know, so we talk about Kyle Hamilton, right. And safety do it all guy. He's one of the best pass rushers on the team from the safety position. He's doing everything. <clears throat> He's really coming into that role of being that, that do it all presence that, that we thought that he, that he was in college. And so it makes it so much easier to play offense when you know the other team can't score or that the other team is not, not going to generally be outscoring you. And we're talking about dynamic offenses, right? The Detroit Lions were putting up points on pretty much everybody, right? They beat the Kansas City Chiefs in week one, right? Seattle Seahawks got that nice young running back tandem and three receivers who are pretty good. And, and Geno Smith playing some pretty good football, and then the Ravens just throttled him, killing him. Ravens have just been—you can't really say enough about the Baltimore Ravens right now. I'm super high and happy to see us perform the way that we are. I can't wait to get to Baltimore to see a game live. I'm excited about this team on every aspect, you know, from the special teams point, the offense and the defense. And I mean, just to see the offense do what it did last week, you know, and Lamar didn't get a chance to really perform because he was out the game half the game. You know, yeah. when you play well, you know, you don't have to play that much. So, you know, people were like, he, Lamar didn't have an MVP performance. Like, he didn't really play the whole game. Like, you know, so if he plays the whole game, then you don't know what happens by the end of that thing. But to see Keaton Mitchell, you know, show up, you know, oh Gus Edwards, you know, I mean, it's just it's been phenomenal, Kyrie. Just watching this team continuously evolve into what I think there can be. What You know, even OBJ getting his first touchdown – and see him break out a dance. It was so good to see him start dancing. Oh, yeah. man. He ain't danced in two years. So just to see him get out there to kind of break that shuffle out and start dancing, man, it was really great to see. And um, I think there's going to be many, many more to come for him. Once he starts to get his confidence back, it's over for the rest of this league. He's going to show up in really, really big games when they count the most. And that's why you go get a guy like him. And his leadership would be phenomenal down the stretch, you know, already winning the Super Bowl and been in that heat and that fire for a while. And he knows this team we're about to play right now, you know? So, I mean, it's, it's going to be interesting. I love it for him because he, everything that you hear about him, I think in New York, he got this rap of being a diva, right? And, and, and with the Cleveland Browns and, you know, pouting when they weren't throwing him the ball and, you know, New York, like knocking down, kicking over the kicking nets, he was frustrated. But then you heard him about what he was like when he went to the Rams and the kind of presence that he was in the locker room, the way that he kept everybody positive and the way that he just went in with no ego at all. Right. And just, he's just playing a role, just wanted to help the team and, and just wanted to be a part of a champion. And I, I feel like, Part of part of what has been so impressive about this Ravens team is really just the intangible part. It really feels like everybody is so locked in to this goal of being a championship caliber team. And they got so many guys, whether through the draft, like a Zay Flowers, like we talked about it. Zay Flowers is a dog. I mean, he go he goes out there fearless and driven to be great. Lamar Jackson wants to be great. He wants to be the best, right? 
OBJ, guy who's just going to come in, not just mentor your young receivers, mentor your past catchers and stuff like that. He's been a star in this league, and and he puts in the time and the work. And on on the defensive side of the ball, look, it's this is not it does not have the name recognition of the two thousand Ravens, right? Or or the or the Ravens of years after that, where they had like you know the, the Ed Reeds and Ray Lewis is playing next to each other. But damn it, if they're not out there playing some really cohesive and aggressive team defense, okay? Yeah. Sometimes you can't calculate the value of that, just getting a bunch of guys that are all going to play together and play connected. And I feel like that's been one of the most impressive things. And real quick, because you mentioned him, okay, because we had to talk about it. We had to do it. I, I did I did a interview on a, a Mad Dog Radio, Sirius XM. They, they called me up to you know talk about some Ravens stuff, mm-hmm. and I had I had to bring it in here, man, because they were like, "Well, oh, you know, the the Ravens' running game is still really good, but it's not necessarily the three headed monster that it was, you know, in the uh, you know a couple of years ago." And I was like, "Oh well, did you see Keaton Mitchell? <laughs> did you see what he came up here and just did? If he's gonna act like that." on even a semi-regular basis. Absolutely. Oh, oh my God. He's the fastest dude out there. Yeah, he that guy got some wheels, man. Uh, I think the – I mean, you've been hearing that. Like, they're not the three-headed monster they used to be. Like, who used to run with three backs back in the day? It used to just be Barry Sanders. It used to just be Emmitt Smith. It used to just be Walter Payton. It used to just be Bo Jackson. It was always a one-headed monster. It was never a three-headed monster. So now that's the standard because they had one year where they just had three great backs and they ran all over people, you know? So I don't even understand that even thought process. Who cares what kind of monster it is? As long as it's a monster. We got one, boy. When I say we got one, we got one. We got a Gus Edwards. We got a Justice Hill. We got a Keaton Mitchell. And that's it. You know, I'm going to take those three and I'm going to run. I'm going to run to the wheels fall off and I'm going to let the speed get you. I'm going to let the physicality get you. I'm going to let the explosiveness get you. I'm going to let the change of direction get you. I'm going to let you, the shiftiness get you. And then let's not forget our forehead and muscle with Lamar. Don't yeah. let him get started. He ain't even, he ain't even pulling his bags out of the trick. He ain't even pulling his tricks out of the bag yet right now because he don't even have to. Wait he till he feels lucky and he feels froggy and he wants to start jumping. It's a wrap. He's he the second. He's like quietly the second leading rusher on the team. He's got over 400 yards rushing already. And it feels like, again, it feels like you wouldn't even know half the time because I mean, like he, I mean, just some of it's scramble, some of it's designed runs, but it's not like he has been the offense, the sole focal point of this offense, the, the way that, that maybe he's been in years past where you're just like, man, all the running backs are hurt basically is it's Lamar or bust. Right. And, 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 you know, you've got the likes of, I mean, it's like Gus Edwards and justice Hill have been around for a minute. Right. Yeah. And I feel like this has been the part where, with J.K. Dobbins out, it's unfortunate, obviously, that they lost J.K. Dobbins because he would he would be such a boost to this team if he was still here. But Gus Edwards and Justice Hill have have gotten to a point in their careers where between the two of them, they can be a you know, competent complement to Lamar Jackson running the football. Justice Hill provides a spark, you know, just juice every time he touches it, runs hard. Gus Edwards is a bowling ball, yeah. right? He's getting downhill and he's bouncing off people and and he and he's been a load in the red zone. And then you mean to tell me that you can then hand the ball off to 
your five nine shifty scat back. But it wasn't even just that he was oh breaking big runs. He was breaking tackles. He was Ooh. running tough, decisively Pretty in well. between the tackles. Okay, six yard gain after seven yard gain after eight yard gain and then forty yards. Right, and and again, it's like we like we keep talking about. If you miss, if, if if you if you don't get the angle and he gets behind you, that's it. You're not catching him. You're he done. Can, You're done. Fly. It's over. Kid can fly. His dad, Anthony Mitchell, was actually now in Atlanta, you know, teaching track and you know mechanics and technique work and speed work. You know, so to see him be as fast as he is, you know, he's a chip off the old block, man. You know, he's he's part of that Raven legacy. But Anthony Mitchell is his father that used to play for the Ravens, man, wearing number 42. You know, it's just to see his son have a chance to come and do the same thing, walk in the same streets in the same field, play on the same field, put the same uniform on in those locker rooms, man. And it's it's, it's so nostalgic. MT Bank is such a great place to play, have so many great memories from there. And it's just love to see this young man, you know, creating some memories of his own. And I love to see this to be his welcome to the NFL moment, his breakout, you know, performance today. Um, I mean, against the Seahawks. And I just hope it continues for him. I hope it continues to grow, he continues to gain confidence and he continues to get smarter as a player and continue to grow and, and shape and mold as a, a running back, an elite running back in this league. I kind of started having some visions of Ray Rice watching him run. And mm. I was like, man, this kid got a real Ray Rice vibe to him, even though he's his own totally different style. I think yeah. it's just because he was a little guy, you right. know, but, but playing bigger than he is. You know, he's, he's not playing like a little short, small dude. He's playing like a big explosive back. And he, like you were saying, you know, Kyrie was breaking tackles and making guys miss and then running away from guys at the same time. So it was a pretty awesome sight to see. I love seeing this. And I mean, sometimes it's nice being a small back, you know, uh, can attest. Sometimes you, you get down low and the center of gravity just makes it easier for you to shrug some guys off like that. Because, you know, if they're taller than you, they're coming in high. Maybe they're trying to launch on you. But it's like. If if you're if you're balanced and you can absorb the hit and just stay on on your feet, mm-hmm. then sometimes, it, I I mean I think you, you can surprise people with the ability to break through arm tackles because you just are lower to the ground, and and people have to really really square you up in a way that, I mean look so, somebody who, who's more average size. I mean, okay, you you strike them right between the shoulders and 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 you're and you're good, right. right? But it's like, I think you saw a couple of different times. Arm tackles weren't doing it with Keaton Mitchell. He's got some, he's got he's got some power to mm-hmm. to that little to that little frame. I mean, the thing is, like, he's not a little guy, right? Like, he's small, but I mean, he's, he's short. He's short, but he's not he's not like skinny he's not right. like no 160 pounds he's, he's got he's got you know some some muscle on him he's got something to his frame so i i've been waiting for it this whole time and i so badly want to see this man get some more carries because this young cat could ball from the moment they started putting the ball in his hands in the preseason i i, I had to see more and i love the fact yeah. that he went off the way that he just did yeah, we talked about him the entire preseason. We both was kind of amped up to see him perform every time he got in. We was actually looking for him by the last mm-hmm. game. Like, we can't wait to see Keaton play, and we just want to see him, see what he was going to do each game. So we were, we both was kind of high on him throughout the preseason. So it's good to see him. I almost forgot about him. Like, that's how crazy this league is. 
he gets he gets banged up a little bit and don't play a couple of games. You don't see him for a little while. You know, you go week nine and all of a sudden he pops out and you're like, what the heck? I forgot mm-hmm. about him. Oh, yeah. Go ahead, young Mitch. I see you. Uh-huh. You know, so it was really cool, man, to see that happen, man. Like, hey, guys, remember me? You know, like type thing. It was really it was really cool, man. I'm, I'm excited for that young man. And I hope it continues to go up and up and up for him. You know, once these guys start game planning for you, it, it kind of depicts whether or not you're really that guy or not, yeah. whether or not you're really him or not, you know. So I think he got some him in him for sure. So I want to oh, see do. how this thing pan out for him. I think I think he's got some him in there. And by the way, thanks for for you know kind of indirectly reminding me. I gotta go and and check and see if my guy's available uh, in in fantasy right now because I feel like <laughs> I feel like he's he's still enough of a not known name that, that people yep, slipping. Yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and snap. I'm gonna snap this man up. Is okay, he, I got, he available? Oh yeah, yeah, he's available. Sweet. Let me see. I'm yeah. So there are a couple guys I'm not really playing. Yeah, let me let me let me drop my guy Chuba Hubbard, who's done some good stuff for me. But I'm gonna go ahead and drop him. I'm gonna add some Keaton Mitchell because there's some there's some big time potential on on that man. Okay, now let's talk about the Cleveland Browns and this game coming up. Obviously, we know that first matchup against the Cleveland Browns was, I mean, it was what we expected without Deshaun Watson. They were playing Dorian Thompson Robinson, his first ever NFL start. And it was predictably really tough for the young kid. Deshaun Watson is going to be back. And he kind of he, he had some explosive plays last week and was looking a little bit more like the Deshaun Watson that, that we're used to. So I think that if you're going to get that kind of guy, this is going to be much more interesting than, than, than the, the first matchup. And now you have to take in, keep it in mind the Browns were playing the Arizona Cardinals and the Cardinals mm. are bad, right? right? But hey, look, it, it's one of his one of his better games of the year so far. 219 yards, two touchdowns, his best game since since playing against the Titans since since before he got injured. So I mean, look, okay? I think it's still going to be more interesting, but the Ravens have already shown that you could be a good quarterback, you could be a good explosive offense, what have you. And they will throttle you defensively. But I think it's really going to be about a battle of defenses and and which defense forces the most turnovers right. makes the biggest plays. Because offensively, this could be a slog for both teams. But I feel like the Ravens have a bit more on offense to, to work with here. I mean, I feel like the Ravens is a better team. It's, at the end of the story, like we, yeah. can go, we can go tip for tack, you know, defense versus defense, offense versus offense, special teams versus special teams. But I think overall, the Ravens is just overall a better team. You know, all three phases are working right now. I hope they can continue this to grow. And I, I, they still haven't peaked yet. They're still growing and they're still getting better every week. I like the climb and the slow climb and the steady climb that I'm seeing week in and week out. And I really do think they have the ability – to really shock the world this year. I think this is a Super Bowl caliber team. I've been saying it all year on paper, just like on paper, we, we're, we're the team. You know, those two losses kind of rubbed me the wrong way with the Colts early on and oh, yeah. um, the Pittsburgh Steelers a couple of weeks back. And, and you know, Pittsburgh always going to play us hard. It's always a tough game for us. They, You know, you always feel like one team has your number and Pittsburgh find a way to, to come out with those tough games if we let them get close at the end, you know, always on us. I don't know how, but they do find a way. But you know, those two losses were two losses that we 
could definitely easily have won both of those games. And we was in both of those games. You know, we haven't been blown out all year. And the two games we lost have been extremely close. And we've won some close ones as well. So I think it's definitely going to be a defensive battle. I think, you know, they have some number one rankings on their defensive side of the ball as well, just like we do. I think we have one more than they have. I think they got three. We got four. They got, I know they got total defense. They're number one in total defense, you know, but we have, we're best in like passing, best in rushing and all that type of things and, and pressures and sacks. We're number one in all four of those. I mean, they got a couple of them that they're number one in total defense is one. And um, I, I think that our defense will come out on top. I think our defense is hot. We're starting to finally start to get it. We're going to make it miserable for Deshaun Watson this entire game. You know, I like the fact that he's back. Deshaun is another one of those guys that's from the Atlanta area. Watched him growing up here at Gainesville High School. Did a great job. Got a chance to see him play his senior year when I was recruiting out of Georgia Military College. And um, that kid is, um, you know, he's a phenomenal he's a phenomenal um, guy to watch and a phenomenal guy to play. I still don't think he's back to his, his original form and how great he played. And he still has some growing to do to get back to that space. And I'm hoping this week he's not back to his raw form where he plays great. I want him to play bad this week. I want us to get another win. And um, also on, on their on their offense, I think our offense is better than their offense. I think our special teams is better than their special teams. I love seeing Duvernay back there returning kicks again. And and um, I hope he continues to play that position well. He's going to find a way to, show, to remind you that he's a really good football player. To me, Duvernay is a top two, top three receiver in this league. So to be able to not have him on the field right now, I think it's saying a lot. You know, you know that's how good Zay Flowers is. That's how good OBJ is. You know, that's how good Aguilar is playing. You know, that's, that's saying a lot. And you still got Mark Andrews and Isaiah Likely who had a breakout game, another good game. Isaiah had a good game this past week too as well. So, I mean, we got some talent on offense, man. This is by far, I feel like overall, the most talented offense we've had overall, you know, from the running backs, the tight ends, the wide receivers, the QBs. I mean, our one and two QBs are, to me, are better than anybody's in the entire league, you know, and our offensive line is starting to really get back to their their, their A status as well. You know, you know, um, Tyler Linderbaum in the middle is leading the way, just doing a phenomenal job, and both our tackles, you know, Moses and Stanley, is really, really starting to play at a high level again, and I love seeing this, man. I just love seeing this transformation, and our, tackle, our, our guards have always played well for us, so I'm looking forward to this week. I can't wait to see this game. I'm excited. I really am. It's going to be really interesting because I've seen some concern recently about Ronnie Stanley, um, that he hasn't quite looked like himself. And obviously that's not something you want to hear right before you're about to play Miles Garrett, who is (laughs) who's one of the, I mean, one of the best, if not the best pass rushers in the league. I mean, he's, he's, he's awesome. Now, first time they played, you got to, Keep this part in account, right? Morgan Moses did play, but uh, Patrick McCary was playing left tackle. Predictably, that was a bit of a struggle. Miles um, Garrett had five pressures in that game. He had a sack as well. And I think, obviously, on paper, you think to yourself, we're definitely much happier with the idea of having Ronnie Stanley back. The right. as, as people put varying amounts of, of stock into like pro football focus grades and, and, and all that good stuff. But I think he's been struggling a little bit in, in terms of, of not quite looking like himself. As a matter of fact, this last week against Seattle was his second worst graded performance of, of the year. 
two pressures allowed, one sack. So it's not like, oh my God, like he was giving up like three sacks or anything like that. But it, it, you know, may, maybe it's just some residual stuff where, where he's, you know, still working through whatever injury issues that maybe the Seattle Seahawks have just had a really good front because they do. But yeah. again, I, I watched the one sack he gave up, Kyrie. It was, it was a, like a double swipe move where you bring both hands close to your chest as if you're as a backer and you try to break the wrist of the tackle. So he it went with both hands, double swipe. It's such a routine move. I was, I was really surprised to see him get beat on that. You know, it's it's normally one of those things where they try to hit you with a double swipe, man. You punch them and you move your hand back and punch them again. You know, they replace your hand as soon as they swipe you. It's such a common move. It wasn't anything special or anything unique. The the, the guy just got his hands close to his chest, hit him with the double swipe move, and ran right right around him. And Stanley was just sitting there watching Lamar getting drugged to the ground. I mean, so it wasn't like it was something that was very complicated or anything like that. It's definitely an easy thing to fix. You know, as an O lineman, you know they're gonna try to come. And yeah. I mean, as a D lineman, you know they're gonna O lineman's gonna set back and punch. And as soon as he punched him, he hit him, hit him right where the soft spot of his arms on the wrist, yep. broke both wrists to knock him off his chest, and went right to the quarterback around him. Stanley wasn't able to recover because his hands fell to his side and wasn't able to recover from it. And the guy, he got, he snuck up and got him a, a nice little sack, an easy sack. You know, a lot easier than it should have came from with a, with an all pro tackle. That's for sure, but. I'm not. I'm not too worried about that. That's something that we could fix very easy, and that's something that he could be prepared for. That's literally just going back to your, you know, your punching technique skills and just being able to, you know, replace that hand when you knock him down to be able to replace him, and just having your hips in the right place and your pad level in the right place. All that goes away. Yeah, and I think in the end, I, I, w- I would I would rather have Ronnie Stanley playing left tackle than anybody else. Me too. Absolutely. Um, I think it's just a matter of getting back to being that guy that, that we've expected him to be. And hopefully this is not a trend. And again, it's going to be a tough matchup with, with miles Garrett. And basically the, you, you just help wherever he's at. Okay. Wherever he is at, that's where you you got, you got to throw Patrick Ricard. You got to throw Mark Andrews, get a chip from a running back or something, because in the end, if you go one-on-one with miles Garrett, too many times it really doesn't matter who you are he's gonna get you he will get you eventually because he's that level of of just dominant he's so fast strong freakishly athletic i mean there are there are times where it's like people are like barely even speed bumps to him as he's coming around the corner so you you gotta find a way to to help off of him but again the the ravens they've seen this before they know how to deal with it they play the guy twice a year and they've mm-hmm. been doing it ever since he was drafted in 2017. So right. this is not new. This is not news to them. Um, so you would think that he's pro- they're probably going to have a plan. And again, I think the other part of it is if you can run the ball well, you can run mm-hmm. the ball effectively, that is naturally going to slow him down. And so I think that's that's what I want to see. I want to see them continue to stay dedicated to the run and then get some of those quick passes out on the perimeter get it into Zay Flowers' hands or Nelson Aguilar's hands or what have you, and just make them run horizontally, make it tough on them. So as long as long as you're doing that, I mean, look, they won 28 to three last time. And it wasn't just because of Dorian Thompson Robinson playing on the other side. They know, they know what to do. They know the formula for making things difficult on Miles Garrett. You just got to do it again. I hear you, Kyrie. I, I, I feel like, I feel like you got to give respect. 
I, I've, I've seen this thing a million, play out a million different times. If you don't respect the talent of the other teams, you end up getting beat. So in my mindset, one of the things that Rex Ryan used to do is always eliminate the best player. And yeah. I love that about Rex. He was he would always say, "We going whoever their best player is, he's not going to beat us. We're not going to give this guy the time of day to beat us. So mm-hmm. eliminate him. So the way you eliminate somebody like a Miles Garrett is you aggravate him the entire game. You know yeah. he's going to rush hard off the edge. So you got to chip him. You got to bring a tight end over to chip him. You got to bring a running back over to chip him. And you when you chip him, you have to chip him. You can't you can't chip him like you breaking off a piece of a cookie. You got to chip him like you just smashing the cookie into the wall. Uh huh. Hit you him in the ribs every single time. Every you got to do something to jaw that that really just make him. All right, I got to I got to I got to watch for that guy when he come off the ball and shoot his hands to that tackle. He need to be looking around that tackle like. Who's coming, you know, trying to kill mm-hmm. because you already don't got him once or twice this game. If you get him slowed down on that coming off that edge, then you don't have to worry about him getting on your quarterback as much. You know, after you chip him, you double team him, then you hit you, you put wham blocks on him. Wham blocks is when you put the tight end in motion and then he goes to one side of the line away from the guy. And then when the ball snaps, he comes flying back across mm-hmm. the line of scrimmage and he hits the guy. He never sees him coming. You know, so wham block, blocks, you know, stuff like that on him to slow him down and just just get him everything misdirection and just get him confused and playing on his heels the entire game and not yep. rushing up the field sport, full speed with a head of steam trying to get to your, your QB without understanding and knowing that somebody's coming to help and somebody's going to try to punish you. You got to make it his longest game ever. He's getting up off the ground as many times as possible. And he, to me, he's not a guy you can run sideline to sideline from. You know, you run his his way, he's going to run it down. He's going to shut it down. You're not going to outrun him. You run away from him, he may run you down from the backside. You know, at the same time, same, you give him the same respect on the backside of plays as well. And then you hit him with some screen plays if he's going upfield too hard and, you know, throw the ball over his head or around him or whatever you got to do. You know, and you mix everybody up with it. You know, tight end screens, receiver screens, running back screens. You you do what you have to do. But whatever it is, you, do, you make sure that – he doesn't get off and starts to gain momentum on your team, on your offense, and you keep him away from your quarterback because if you don't, it's going to be a long freaking game, you know, for real. Yeah. I mean, he is he is the first, second, third, and 11th thing that you want to circle, that you want to keep an eye on every offensive snap. It all starts with him. And again, there are other good players on the defense. Like, for example, I love Jeremiah Wusu Koromoa, the linebacker. He's just do it all linebacker, safe. I mean, whatever. I mean, I've been a big fan of his since he was at Notre Dame and just, just running around causing havoc. He's, he's one of those new age linebackers that I feel like everybody was like, okay, what's his best position? Uh, he's like, he's, he's kind of like a tweener linebacker safety. And mm-hmm. I think people are finding that. That that's a new age linebacker now. They are they can be smaller. They don't have to be 260 pound thumpers anymore. Teams don't necessarily do that in the right. same way anymore, unless you're the New England Patriots and that's just how you play. <laughs> it's like, no, like like this guy is what 230, 240 pounds, and he's running out there sideline to sideline and yep. and blowing up passing lanes and rushing the passer and doing all this good stuff. So it's not like there aren't other good players besides Miles Garrett. He's yep. just the one. You got you. You got to be aware of every every single play, where he's lining up, what plan you have to protect against him, and and how specifically to scheme him out of a football game. With that in mind, mm-hmm. how how do you see this game shaking down score wise? 
Oh, you already know where I'm at. Well, I already know. I already know what you what you what you think, but I already know. One hundred percent. Well, I already know who's going to win, but do the Browns keep it close this time? Absolutely. I I think it's going to be a close game, one hundred percent, because anybody in the AFC North always plays the Baltimore Ravens as hard Mm -hmm. as possible. They know this is going to be a tough game. They get up for these games because they know they got to bring their A game. They can't slack. You can't come in this game like it's a you playing against a bad team. Even if Ravens was one and eight. You still gonna be up for this game because they play hard. I mean, playing like a Raven is is play like a Raven for a reason, you know. So in my mind, they know that this is gonna be an extremely tough game. They're gonna come in here ready to play, and they're trying to prove a point. They almost are the number one defense in the league right now, you know. So they want to come in here and prove the point that they are the number one defense. How do you do that? You come in and you shut these boys down, and you know, with Baltimore having one of the the most dynamic offenses in the league right now. You know, whether it's running or throwing or, you know, play action or whatever it may be, they are the premier team to shut down, you know. So if you're trying to prove a point and you're trying to show the league and the world that you're for real, this is the game you do it, you know, especially what the Ravens have done to these last couple of teams that everybody thought was going to, you know, the Detroit team that came in, everybody was somebody who was the number one team in the league and mm-hmm. the Ravens go put on a show against them, you know. So, I mean, it's that type of stuff when that happens, I'm looking to knock you off. I'm looking to show the world that we're top dogs and, and we're here for real. And yeah, everybody in the AFC, I think, is sitting at five and three except the Ravens. You know, so if you want to show somebody in this world that you're good, you knock off the big dog. Right now, we're the big dog and everybody's talking about us. And now all of a sudden, people are talking about we're the best team in the league. You know, I've been saying that since preseason, but you know, we, now we, everybody we on that. Yeah, you know, now everybody's starting to jump on guy. You know, they feeling us now. Now we've been talking about we believe in the Ravens from day one. So now everybody else is trying to believe in the Ravens as well. But I mean, we 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 understand, man, what's going on around this world and around this league. You know, Cleveland is gonna come in here and do everything they can to make this tight. And I think I think it'll be a 21-17 game or a 28-24 game, you know, Justin Tucker field goal to win it, you know, type thing. And uh, it'd be interesting to see kind of what happens, man. Like I really will. Like I, I'm, I'm excited to see this game this week. I can't wait to watch every single snap. Absolutely. And you know what? I'm going to leave it with this. The last division game the Ravens had was against the Steelers and the Steelers oh, won. Sucks. And it, yes. And I would hope that that is in their minds. Yes. The Steelers are not the Cleveland Browns. We know that. Yeah. Um, But to say, look, we lost our last division matchup, and every team in this division is over 500. If you lose this game, you're allowing another team to challenge you for supremacy in this division, and we cannot have that. We are going to run away and hide because we're the best team in this division. We're not playing around with y'all. We are going to put you down, and we're going to show you who's boss. So to me, I think it's probably it's going to be closer than some of these other games in the NFC where they just gone and, and beat the brakes off of them because this is the AFC North is black air force energy all over the place. Mm-hmm. All right. So, I mean, I think it's probably going to be a good old, like 21 to 14 or something like that. Maybe, maybe even a 17 yeah. to 14. Okay. Yeah. They're going to beat each other up and I am here for it, but <laughs> I believe in the Ravens, just like you, my man. I think I think it's time for the Ravens to, to kind of, you know, to really make a statement. And I, I think to me, this is for me, this will be a statement game. And you like every single quarter, you're trying to win three out of four games. 
if you can win three out of four games every quarter, you know, you end up in a really, really, really good situation in this league. I think that puts you at 12 and four. You know, now now it's the seventeenth game, so now that put now you got to that be what thirteen and four. You know, the thirteen and four that's probably a top two seed, right? At the you worst, know, so you break it down, you break the the season down, and we used to always break it down in quarters. You know, every four games was one quarter. You know, so you want to come out each quarter three and one. You know, and that's how we looked at it. If we came out at least three and one, then we win. And if we came out four and zero. Oh, that's what I'm talking about. Now you now you got some action, you know, so it just puts you in a better situation. But you never want to lose more than one game back to back. I mean, more than two games back to back or one game. Really? No, you never wanted to lose two games in a row. You oh, no, no. If you lost one, you wanted to bounce back right away. That's what I. And um, and we put we set ourselves up for victory because we we didn't look ahead at all. We knew this quarter, it was only one quarter we had to worry about at a time. And we only looked at one part of that quarter, the first quarter at a time, the second quarter, the third quarter, and the fourth quarter. And that's how we looked at it. So we never really looked ahead. And that always kept us in a position where we never got caught slipping. And you could easily get caught slipping on these games right now. You know, you start to feel yourself a little bit and start to feel good about yourself. Everybody puts you in the number one spot. We so used to being the underdog, not, not the top dog. And um, all of a sudden, you 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 start sleeping a little bit, you're napping a little bit, and um, somebody catch you slipping. So we don't want to get caught slipping. We should know right now that these boys are gonna come to play, and they for real. And we got a challenge on our hand. And running Stanley, running Stanley, you know Morgan Moses should really get up for games like this because oh, yeah. these are the big games that you're gonna play. That's gonna set you apart. And our defense should take pride. This is another great quarterback that can move and mobile and can throw. And um and play smart, you know. It's a Clemson graduate, you know, Gainesville High School graduate here in Georgia, and um this kid was one of the top players in the country at one point. He's not coming in this game to play like anything less than that, you know. So our defense should take it as a as a legit, you know, compliment that they come in here thinking they're gonna have an actual shot, and they should go respect who they got coming in, and they should play the best that they could possibly play to win this game. I see it no other way. Absolutely. I don't I don't see them getting caught lacking, okay, and, and get and getting caught thinking that you know we're we're not we're not gonna take them seriously. That's not gonna happen. If the Browns come in and they play a little bit more physically and they, and they they win this game, more power to them. But I don't think it's gonna be because the Ravens come in underestimating their right. opponent. Not this time. But look, that's that's how we see it shaking down, as always. Look, okay. I think you can basically just book this. From from here on out, no matter what game is on the schedule, we believe in the damn Ravens to win the game because we should believe in the Ravens to win the game because they're one of the best teams in the NFL. And look, if you are paying attention to this podcast, you heard it here first in the offseason and you're going to keep on hearing it on this podcast for the rest of the year. That's why they call it Believe in Ravens, man. I'm Kyrie Thompson. That over there is Daniel Wilcox, my guy. We are going to be back with you next week to break down the next opponent it's going to be another big one with the cincinnati Bengals coming to town but for for right now it's time to get after those cleveland browns till yes, next sir. time thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? 
That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.